Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, and Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. Today with me is Sarah Hum, founder and designer at Kenny, helping SaaS companies build greater products by being better at listening to and acting on user feedback. Kenny's growing steadily with over 3 million ARR and uh, 13 remote employees. Am I, do, do I have my numbers right? That's pretty yeah, impressive. We're, we're now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Like I said, growing steadily. <laughs> Good to see you here, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Anna. All right. Well, um, super exciting, uh, really, for me, because recently we've introduced at SaaS Group our new big vision and how we are no longer solely focused on bootstrap companies, but it's the bootstrapper mindset or um, mentality that we're looking for. And I was reading through your blog and everything you put out there, and I was like, well, that's just perfect. That's like, this is the best case scenario that we can do like this episode. So yeah, that's what I want to emphasize on, I guess, your bootstrapping journey, because you're very focused on generating revenue from well, basically day one, right? You did mm. everything well by the bootstrapper book, right? You validated early, you listened to your customers and you focused on the revenue. So before we get to it, maybe let's talk about your background a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How far should I go back? <laughs> um, well, how, I... did you, yeah, how did you come up with Kenny in the first place? Yeah. I mean, so I've always been a product person. I always will be a product person. My co-founder is also, my co-founder is a software engineer. So we're both just in us is product. And when we were thinking about, you know, working on things, we've worked on things before Candy together, just kind of as side projects. We, you know, we use a lot of products on a day-to-day -day basis. And at some point we were like, okay, you know, we feel like these products could be better. Right. And these were very consumer products, you know, back then we were thinking like, oh, like the Yelps and the Ubers of the day, like, how can those products be better? How can we make our lives as users better? And we want to give them feedback, you know, like, I feel like sure. Yelp could be better in this way. And there wasn't really a good way to give that. If anything, there was like an email link or a support link, but then that's very supporty and it never gets to the product team or they say, okay, you know, I'll, thanks for the feedback. I'll pass it on to our team, but then nothing happens and there's no follow-up. And so that's really where the canny idea started. And that's the problem that we're trying to solve, which is something that is kind of selfish, right? Like it's like, uh, if other teams use canny and I can get my feedback to them and me as a product person can be heard. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's still like the magic moment for me is when I'm using Canny where and one of our customers' products and I give them feedback via Canny and I get an update about that, about a feature that I want, that is mm -hmm. like a light bulb for me and, and something that I want to be able to give other companies. And so, yeah. Right. That's so that's the aha moment <laughs> that you're creating for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me as a user, it's, it's, it, there's something, there's a spark there, right? It's like, oh, right. I, I gave them feedback and they, and they listened. Listened? Really <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I remember, I guess, uh, when I uh, replied to like this founder email and I got a feedback mm -hmm. and it was like, wait, what's happening? Like, is he really there? <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to like, <laughs> behind the curtain like right. who, who's that person that's right. answering so that's a right. I, I guess that's a great yeah that's a great thing yeah, to play does, with it does humanize the product a little bit right like it brings you closer to the people who are actually building these tools that you're using on a day-to-day -day basis which is really cool i think <laughs> yeah no absolutely i mean i've uh I know a few people that, that use Kenny and they're super happy with it. And uh, you started talking about Yelp and <laughs> I was like, I just interviewed this, <laughs> the principal designer of Yelp and he was also talking about nice. Kenny. So you're like, everything is connected. Wait, so. really? Wait, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's such a great network of founders. Uh, so awesome. yeah, okay. Um, well, how did you go? Well, it was, maybe a selfish reason, but you knew that other companies, that other people, other customers are struggling with it. Yeah. So how did you go from yeah. your selfish reasons to selling it to other people? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, as we did more research, right, like, I think we learned that it's not that they don't care, because that's a hard problem, right? Especially if you're a Yelp and you have so many users. And I think that's kind of where we, like, once we did more research and learned about the market, consumer is hard, right? You're, you're talking about way more users and a lot of the users are not paying customers. And so it's hard to tell, you know, who should be a priority, stuff like that. Um, whereas in the B2B space, Everyone is paying, well, most people are paying you in order to solve a problem. And when those yeah. people who are paying you are giving you feedback, it's important for you to listen. Um, it's important for you to at least hear them, maybe not prioritize what they're asking for, but it's important for you to know what people are saying and be able to say, okay, you know, this is something we've heard a lot. Um, we should look into it, maybe not build the exact solution that they're asking for, but really understand what is the root problem. Um, and so, we dove straight into B2B. Um, they, I think we, we built a very basic version of, of the product and people said they would pay for it, which I think is like that, that's the spark really <laughs> yeah. is like, okay, if they're willing to pay you and then you are solving a problem, right? Like the money is really indicative of, of that. Um, and so that just made sense with us, right? It's like, okay, well, we need money in order to live in order to, <laughs> sustain our lives outside yeah. of working a full-time job but then also it's really a good signal that you're on to something right like once multiple people are paying you for the same product like there's something there like follow that um so yeah i think we did some research we kind of learned the market and understood like what people are struggling with what their problems are especially within the feedback space because that's where we were sitting um and then from there build what they're asking for, like build what, you know, build what will help them in their day-to-day -day lives as, you know, someone who works on a B2B SaaS product. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I know that now you're using Kenny to build Kenny, of but, <laughs> <laughs> but back then when it was uh, a bit more basic, uh, what yeah. did you, did you use? How did you communicate with your customers? How did you prioritize yeah. what is going to be built for yeah. Kenny? Yeah, I mean, we tried to use Candy as much as well as from, from day one. Um, okay. A lot of the features, even that we build today, are like, oh, I would want to use that. Like, can we prioritize this? <laughs> Which, you know, is probably not the best thing. I mean, ideally, we prioritize what, what our majority of customers are asking for, especially the ones that are, you know, our ideal customer profile, right? Um, a lot of time, like, we have a free plan. So a lot of times if a feature has a lot of interest, but it's only free users, then it's something to think about, right? So it's a lot about who's asking for the thing and, and, and on top of what they're asking for. Um, but yeah, from day one, I feel like we tried to use Candy as much as possible. Like that's the way that, you know, like we are kind of our target customer, like the product person. So by using Candy ourselves, it's like, okay, this is how we can improve the product as well. So we tried to track everything in there ourselves. I think back in the earlier days, like it would be a lot more like one-to-one -one customer mm -hmm. conversations, like more interviews and stuff. And as we've grown, we've been doing less of that, sadly, but we can still do it, right? Like that's not really an excuse. I think we should totally be doing those more as much as possible. So yeah, we pretty much use candy from day one. And I think that's the nice thing about MVP is like, yeah, you have what's crucial, right? And so we should be able okay. to use it. <laughs> yeah all right yeah well yeah sure exactly that makes sense so yeah. we talk here a lot about talking to your customers mm -hmm. you know how it's a priority how you should always be doing this how you just said you know we should be doing it more if we mm -hmm. scale come back a little bit right as founders and like get the, get a sense of when the aha moment comes but we rarely talk about the prioritization of customers we should be listening to. So let's mm. dig a little bit deeper into that. Like, obviously, yeah. everyone says, talk to your customers and talk to all of your customers if possible. You know, that's like mm. a best case scenario ever. But, well, obviously, you know, you are there to get the revenue, right? So you should mm -hmm. be talking to, well, you say to whom? Yeah. Yeah. I think like not all customers are created equal, right? I, swear, I mean, in the early days, it, it's like really honing in on your ideal customer profile. Like who is this person? Who can we build a product for that solves a problem for like 
a wide number of people, but also be focused. So it's like a little conflicting, right? But I mean, in the early days, we were like, okay, let's build feedback for anybody and anything. And then, you know, by doing research, it's like, okay, the people who would benefit most from this could be product, right? And that's where a lot of the feedback thrives and where we see products iterating, right? As SaaS tools, we ship new things all the time, right? And so those things can happen quickly. So we hone in on the product teams and anybody who is related to product. But yeah, from there, like from for, for now, like when it comes to prioritization for me, it's looking at who is asking for these things, right? It doesn't matter if 100 people are asking for something, if I don't care about those 100 people. Sorry, but like <laughs> not everybody is a customer I care about. And a lot of that, right. like a lot of that signal comes from, are they paying or not? Right. Like I want to build features that our paying customers want, right? Because they are the ones getting the most value out of the product. They're the ones willing to pay a monthly fee in order for this problem to be solved. And that problem can always be solved better. We can always build more and more for them. Um, so it's really about looking at who's asking for these things. How much are they paying? Are they really engaged? Are they like our ideal persona, stuff like that? So yeah, I mean, and luckily, like we've built Canny in a way that's easy to see that. So it's easy to see, okay, you know, here's all the people that are paying. Here's, you know, the companies that they work at. Here's their role at the company, stuff like that. So all those important pieces of information. And so if anybody's collecting feedback, it's, I will... I will always support this is it's very important to know who it's coming from. If it's just a piece of feedback, I don't really care. Honestly, Um, if it's just like, uh, I have no identity associated with it, that it's not, it's not useful. And it's not something where I can, you know, continue to prompt them and be like, okay, you told me this, can you elaborate on, you know, all this other stuff related to that? So I can get more information. Um, It's really important to, to be able to follow through on that and, and know okay. exactly where it's coming from. Right. Okay. So know, know, know where the feedback is coming from, who's talking to you, and just to build mm-hmm. from there. Okay. So while you were talking, I was thinking that, uh, you know, you're so focused on on the product teams and the product people. Mm-hmm. And has that changed over, over the years? Have you evolved your messaging? Because again, this is a topic that often comes during yeah. the podcast. We kind of, well, there is a fine line between selling to people who buy the product and selling to people mm-hmm. who use the product. So how yes. did you, yeah, yeah, how did you refine your messaging based on that? Yeah, I think for us, you know, the the end user, the end benefit was always for the product team. But there's a lot of people who touch products in a way. So these people are particularly um, customer facing people, right? So support people, sales people, success people, you know, these are all people who are on the front lines talking to customers, and they're the ones often getting the feedback directly. Um, so a lot of times, these are the people who are actually in Canny, um, adding feedback, checking things. And so that I think is is something that we've tried to uh, show how we give those people value, right? Like, for example, as a salesperson, you know, you're getting feature requests all the time. Like, oh, I'm a potential customer. Do you have this XYZ feature? And a lot of times, you know, the answer is no, not yet. Like, I don't have that feature yet. But ideally, as a sales team, you should be able to give product, you know, all this information. Hey, this deal is worth X dollars. And if we build ABC features, they may sign, right? And so that's really important for product to know, like if you're looking to expand revenue, expand, you know, in terms of how much revenue you're making, um, that's really important information, right? And then on the flip side, you're talking to success or support and, you know, your existing customers are, are saying, hey, I want A, B, and C. Like this could be, this could save churn, right? Like if people are missing certain yeah. features and they can express how important features are to them, it's, it's a way to do that. And so, yeah, I think for now, we're not, honestly, we're not great at marketing to these people, I feel. Um, we do have some like best practice blog posts, stuff like that, um, where, you know, these adjacent roles can learn about Canny and how to use it and how to, how to, how it benefits them. Uh, but I think we could do a better job in terms of like our landing pages and stuff like that, um, which we're trying to do slow and steadily, like shift a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's still product that benefits right but then the side benefits are it, it flows to other teams which is exciting and great because the other one's talking to customers um, and we and we want customers to to feel heard so absolutely yeah 
we're not great at it, but yeah, yes, so there is your ideal mind. customer, but you know, who, whoever is, you yeah. know, <laughs> whoever goes yeah. with the current, Absolutely. so you're welcome. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. Um, so you talk a lot about pricing too, and I found like mm -hmm. this, it's such a, an important topic, especially this yeah. year, uh, cause everyone's yeah. freaking out, like what to do. We've yeah. changed our pricing quite a bit uh okay. this year for a few yeah. brands and sure we were freaking out as well like just looking at those graphs and charts like what is yeah. happening are we <laughs> yeah are we there yet did we make it so yeah how do you how do you experiment with that because that's also something yeah. that we absolutely love uh yeah. for you know bootstrapper mindset yeah yeah uh right you, you test you iterate you see how it goes um so how did you decide? Because I know that last year, right, you you changed your pricing four times. Yeah. <laughs> how did you How did you decide to do that? Like, why? How did it work for you? What What are yeah. the learnings there? Yeah. So, so that that blog post you're talking about the four pricing changes that was actually in our first year. So okay, that's something that we did. I don't. We we were so much like pricing changes were so much easier back then because it didn't impact as many people. Um, so we could experiment a lot more and now, so we did a pricing change early this year. Yes. Early. Oh my gosh. Is it 2023? <laughs> early this year. <laughs> Too long already. Um, and <laughs> wait, I think well, it was this year was within the last 12. <laughs> <laughs> what a blur. Um, and it's, it's so much harder now to change pricing. But I would encourage anybody who can do it to do it. And I think for us, like we are, we are still quite a small team. It still takes us a lot of energy and and takes a lot of people in order to make a pricing change happen. But if you know you are more agile and more able to move, uh, like change it all the time. I don't know. In our first year, because it was just two of us, it was me and Andrew. We were able to just say, okay, you know, we learned this from this change. Let's change that in this one. And it was like one of the pricing changes we changed in a day. Right. And now it takes okay. months, right? It takes, it takes a lot more energy, a lot more time in order to change because we have to think a lot more about the impacts on existing customers, stuff like that. So it's just harder, but I would recommend, you know, doing it as much as possible and, and learning from it because that's such a, it could make such a big change in terms of how much you're making um, and what, yeah, what you're being able to capture in terms of value from your customers. So yeah, do it a lot more. I think for us, like in the first, in the first year, it was, it was so much easier and we were able to learn a lot from that. And I wish we could do the same, but it's, yep. it's not as easy now. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, for example, what we see in the market, uh, yeah. is that, yeah, new wins are a little bit slower, but yeah. the retention is kind of there. The renewing contracts are there. Yeah. Uh, your mm -hmm. existing customers are not really moving because they don't want to try yeah. anything new. They want to stay with you. So yeah. what is yeah. your experience with it? Yeah. I mean, prices? I think this year, especially. Yeah. Like this year, it's just, it seems like, you know, retention isn't very important. I think for at least what we're experiencing, it feels like a lot of people are being uh, very intentional about their spend and people are tightening budgets a lot. You know, we've seen layoffs left and right. Um, and so layoffs mean that there is, uh, that people are thinking about their money and that often bleeds into product, right? Like what products can we cut? And sadly, Candy is in there a lot of times because, you know, if you don't listen to your customers, you know, you're not going to die. It's not great, but you're not going to die overnight, right? Like shutting down your servers, for example. So we've seen that. And for us, it's really about trying to communicate that if you want to continue existing as a product, it's important for you to listen to your customers. And you can do that in, you know, other ways, like people might default back to like a spreadsheet, for example. But if you're at a point where you have a significant number of customers, 
that's tricky. But at the same time, we also released our free plan in the last year. So um, this makes it a lot more accessible to other companies and especially early stage companies who don't have that budget to spend. Um, So we're we're happy we're able to do that, right? We're happy we're able to enable people to listen to their customers at a free price. And then people who are experiencing, you know, more volume and more need for, you know, understanding that data and, and understanding, you know, volume, they can upgrade to our paid plans. So it's interesting. I think we released the free plan at a very interesting time because it's it's unclear if it's market changes or the pricing change or probably both that really impact, yeah. you know, our growth in the last year. So it's interesting. I mean, it's hard to tell and we can assume and guess as much as we can, but you know, it's interesting. I feel like it's still like in terms of our total number of customers and people who are using Canny, it's obviously grown with the free plan. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. It's just, yeah, it's an unsure time, I feel like for us and, and probably a lot of other people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's kind of yeah. like just holding their breath. Like, what's next? Yeah. Is it getting better? Yeah. Is, it- <laughs> right. is it getting right. steadier or like, can right. we release a little bit? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like, you know, in our early days, it was like slow and steady growth. And it was like, okay, you know, we we don't have to try that hard and we just grow. And now it's like, okay, we really need to hone in on, you know, what are the needle movers? What, you know, what should we focus on? I think it's a good challenge at the end of the day. Like startups aren't easy and they, yeah, it shouldn't be easy. Uh, So, yeah, we're just trying to hone in on what those things are. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay. All right. Well, but over the years, like how has your growth strategy changed and how has your marketing changed? What are you focusing on right now? Yeah. I mean, we've over, I mean, over the last several years, we've been slowly moving upstream. um, So serving bigger and bigger customers. I think that's a natural progression in, in terms of especially B2B SaaS, like going up and, and trying to Absolutely. solve problems for bigger companies. And so we're still in the process of doing that, I would say. Like we're not, there's definitely many features that we're missing for the, you know, higher tiers. And these are people who are, you know, care a lot about compliance and stuff like that, that, you know, the smaller companies don't care anything about. And so I think that's why the free plan is a cool solution for us is, you know, they can use that self-service, like do whatever you want, use the tool as much as you want. And then when you're ready, you can upgrade. And so that has been interesting. We're still really monitoring that and understanding how good the free plan is for us. And I think when it comes to pricing changes now, it's kind of about what features should be packaged where, like, should this be in our free plan? Should this be in our paid plans? And then I think for us also, like the AI stuff that's coming out that you see a lot in other companies, you know, it's something that we have our ears, you know, we're listening and trying to see what people are interested in. And I think when it comes to AI, it's it's not about, you know, using the AI term as this buzzword as like, oh yeah, you know, we have AI too. It's really like, how can we leverage AI to, to give our customers more value? Um, And so trying to explore that and seeing how that fits into our offering. But yeah, I think when it comes to growth, it's like, okay, continue, you know, investing in the companies that have shown that we can provide them value in terms of, you know, how much they're paying us, right? If they're paying us, they're, we're giving them value. And so how can we offer them more and what are they asking for? So I think that is a similar strategy moving forward. But then when it comes to new stuff, it's like, okay, AI is more, is more accessible. It's more, people are able to understand it better. How can we use it to give them more value? And in, in turn, 
we'll in introduce that in our pricing as well, right? Like we don't know how we're going to package it right now, but it's something that can offer more value. Okay, sure. But let's, yeah, let's talk about packaging a little bit because you introduced this new yeah. free plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. How generous did you decide to be with it? And how did you yeah. uh, prioritize the features that, you know, this unpaid customers um, could use, yeah. what you're giving them? Yeah. Is there any playbook that you're using or you're just like throwing something in there to make sure yeah. there is value, there's enough value to use it well yeah. and use it well, but then right. there is just a little bit more that they could be getting with the paid plan. Or yeah. Yeah. I would say in general, we don't follow many playbooks, I guess, but I think for us, like we had built Caddy for a while. Like we knew kind of what our baseline features were, you know, what people need at a minimum in order to be successful with collecting feedback. Right. And so that was kind of our idea is like, okay, you know, looking at startups, early stage companies, people who don't have crazy amounts of feedback, but you know, they want to start tracking it. So we're able to identify pretty easily like what those features were but at the same time i think in terms of generosity i think we were pretty generous i think you know what's the point of a free plan if nobody's going to use it so you do need to make it generous enough that it's, it's still a useful product on its own and it's not this broken thing because they have to upgrade in order to use it um and so it's really like trying to fine tune okay you know how many of xyz feature do they need um we can limit it that way versus in terms of just features alone. Um, so, you know, giving them the taste of a feature and how the feature works, but then not giving them more of it unless you upgrade, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sure. For example, like, you know, uh, a term in Candy is a roadmap, right? Like when you are a small company, you probably only need one roadmap. You can figure it out. But if you're a bigger team and you have multiple PMs and, you know, a lot of stuff is going on, you probably need more than one. So that's kind of where we try to draw the line in a few ways. Um, whereas like the base, the core features of Candy are available and free. So yeah, I mean, I don't think it's perfect, but I think that's that's how we approached it and that's how we packaged our free plan. Um, but it's also, it, nothing's like permanent, right? You can always change it. And if you, yeah. if you release it and you're like, hmm, okay, this is not generous enough. Let's up this a little bit. And this is too much. Let's put this, let's lower this, right? Like it's, it's always something you can tweak. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't, let that like the fear of that hold you back from doing a pricing change like just do mm -hmm. it and try it and see how people react and you can always you know adjust it's SaaS. you can you can adjust yeah. it easily <laughs> sure test and play with it it's right yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay is it do you think it's more difficult to do that for b2b like do you have to have like longer period to like let people know and adjust to the new pricing yeah. are they yeah. you know harder to i don't know to, to navigate this yeah. how do they react to like more frequent pricing changes yeah yeah i think some i mean there's always going to be that customer base that's like whoa like what really you're doing this like <laughs> and, and like you're always going to get those people and it's totally okay yeah like I, I think if we if we made a decision to change the pricing again in the next day you know the day after we released it like you know that's when people are most <laughs> they're most reactive so it really takes time to like settle down and like see okay what are new customers thinking like are the are new customers reacting to the pricing because for them that's the pricing they never knew the old pricing and so it's it it takes time for us to look at how they're feeling and then with existing customers yeah it's all it's damage control in some ways right like they were paying x price and you know like so no we made the mistake fabric. yeah i mean i think we were we made the mistake of not changing our pricing in like years right and so these people were so used to paying that old price that you know any pricing change is crazy whereas if we had slowly done it over time, right? It may be not, it wouldn't have been such a, I mean, it's hard to tell for sure, but it may not have been such a, whoa, this is a crazy, crazy change. So yeah, I think if, if we could go back, we would do a little more incrementally and, and make more changes, but we just, you know, startups, <laughs> you get busy. Yeah. It's hard to, yeah. it's hard to prioritize a pricing change. So yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, when it comes to just having those conversations, like, you know, you're a person, ha like talk to them, you know, I think we try <laughs> to give 
good notice, you can always give more notice. I mean, it's hard. We wanted to make the change, you know, as fast as possible, but we also want to give notice. So yeah, we gave about a month of notice and I feel like it was okay. Like we could, I think next time we would maybe try to give two. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's a, that's a good amount. And then even till now, like a year later, it's like, okay, how are we doing with the pricing? We can, we're probably going to be starting to think about a, a, another change soon. <laughs> okay. That's a good announcement. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> just like, here, here's it's your... It's hard to say, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> here's your... Here's we your you. Yeah, here's your warning. I told you on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Should have known. But it's also like, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think like maybe we, maybe we did too big of a jump. Right, like maybe we excluded some people from the last pricing change, and so it's it's totally possible that we're gonna shift things around. Um, people could be paying less than they are right now. People could be paying more, obviously. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe next next year we do another podcast and let's just see what <laughs> exactly what you with go. your pricing, what you're doing. Follow up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So that was uh, that was more on the focus on the revenue and like the whole. Mm-hmm bootstrapping growth another thing that also we're very passionate about is the culture the hiring the team yeah uh well you're right. hiring more these days right so what is your hack to hire because well you started smaller right you did your first yeah. hires when as far yeah. as i remember you hit like two 250 arr something like that Maybe something, maybe, maybe a little less, but yeah, it took us, it okay. took us a while to start hiring. Um, we yeah. never wanted to raise, right? So we needed to get to a point where you could afford people. Um, yeah, it took some time. Yeah, but still like, two, okay, let's uh, assume it was 250. That's, that's yeah. kind of like a base salary for, for a Silicon Valley developer, right? So how do you, <laughs> sorry, well, I had to say that. How do you attract talent? When you're, yeah. you have a smaller ARR, what, what yeah. is your, what was your hack? I mean, now obviously you, you've grown. Yeah. Was, what was your hack back then? How do you attract yeah. talent, the best talent, you know, yeah. you want them maybe to, I don't know, get out of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Join yeah. the cool kids. Yeah. How, how are you easy. doing it? It's not easy. I will say because, you know, we come from the Valley too. Like we know what those salaries are like and and what, you know, good talent can make. And so, well, our first hire was not a Silicon Valley engineer, um, but, you know, our first hire, like in terms of how we approach hiring, like our first hire was um, support. And so for us, it was like, okay, we are product people. We should, we should do product as much as possible. And what was really making that hard for us in the early days is, you know, customers. (laughs) And that's, sorry, like, I don't... we always want to talk to our customers, obviously, but for us, when it comes to context switching and, you know, we have to answer a support conversation at any time of the day, it was just, it was hard. And so we brought someone on for that as, as a first hire. Uh, but soon after that, we wanted to expand our engineering team and our engineering t- team to this day is like half the company. Um, so it's very important to us that we continue improving the product on a day-to-day basis. And I think for engineering, Well, one thing that helps is that we are remote, right? And so we have that flexibility. You can work from wherever you want, pretty much. We we still are not hiring from like Asia and stuff that's really far. It's just time zones are impossible. Like people who want that flexibility, who want to live in a place where they aren't offered that, um, that really helped pre-COVID, right? Like we were remote pre-COVID. And so this work from home thing was less... um, less prominent and less common for people. So people who wanted that flexibility, we could offer that to them. I think that was huge. And the other thing is the equity piece. I think for us, we want to give Canny to the people that are working on Canny, right? Like if you work with us and you put in your effort here, we want to pay back in terms of how well the company is doing. We want you to have a piece of that. Um, And so because we don't have investors, we are able to be more generous in terms of how much equity we are able to offer. I mean, I think that's compelling, right? I think it's compelling for people who, um, absolutely. first of all, like startups. And I think that's like baseline. If they don't like startups, you, there's no place, right? Um, but 
for them, it's like it's compelling for you to be able to have a slice of the thing that you're working on and something that gains value over time. And even people who have left the company, right? Like they have, they still have a piece of us, and and you know their work will live, you know, in Canny as as we continue to exist. So I think that's huge. And then also, I mean, I think as a company, like I think we we offer things that Silicon Valley can't, right? You okay? You have that remote work, but then you also, I feel like our work life balance here is like really good um like when people talk about startups like oh yeah i work 80 hours a week da, da, da. and i don't think that's i've never worked 80 hours a week and i don't think that's how no, that's too anyone. much so like we don't encourage that for anyone but yeah i think you know the culture that we offer here and in the early days it's much harder right like we really need to convince people of our vision and stuff like that but now it's a little easier you know like our team speaks highly of us at least I hope so. Um, and so it's easier to convince people like we have something going on. We clearly have proven that we are able to make a good amount of money from what we do. Um, we have team retreats. We go on a retreat twice a year. We, 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 we took people to Japan in May. Like it's a, it's a cool thing. Right. And it's something awesome. that even you probably can't get in a lot of Silicon Valley startups. Right. Um, so yeah, I think we pay a lot of attention to that, but we also, try to pay as well as possible, right? Like at the, at the bottom, at the end of the day, like people are trying to make a salary and they compare their salary to other places. Um, and yeah, we're not paying like top tier, but we're also not mm -hmm. like cheaping out, I would say. Like we're still paying mm -hmm. as competitively as we can. You get what you pay for, right? And so like, yeah, we yeah. try to give as much as we can. Awesome. I think that's a, that's a great strategy. I mean, it's kind of been like throughout this this podcast, uh, mm -hmm. Like at the end, I will ask you the same question. Like, what is the biggest win and the biggest failure? And everyone says the biggest sure. win is the team and like the the people that they're working <laughs> yes. with and like what they're yeah, yeah what they what they want to um, yeah. to do together and what they're able to put out there in, in terms of like product and everything. But um, I also know because you, you mentioned uh, culture, and um, I think it was on one of the podcasts or maybe a blog post mm -hmm. that you did. Uh, but you said that. Um, you're trying to create a more of a like hangout situation uh, during the interview. So very, yeah. very casual. So what could be yeah. the question like this in this hangout kind of narrative uh, that yeah. people are getting during the interview? Can you share it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the most hangout part of our interview process is the last interview, which is technically our culture interview, whatever you want to call it. But it's really it's the candidate and three people from our team so it's really just like a how do we get along because you can if you've done interviews you can you can feel it you can feel whether someone is somebody that you want to work with is somebody that would fit in well with your team would have something to add to the team even so yeah i think it's just hanging out spending time together and really i think the questions we ask in there are just like what do you do for fun right like what like who are you as a person like beyond you know your marketing skills or your engineering skills whatever we've already tested for that you've already passed those interviews here okay who are you who are you as a person and one of the questions i like to ask is if i talk to your three best friends what would they say about you <laughs> and it oh, that's something good. like hmm okay <laughs> what would they say about me right like you're not trying to brag about yourself but also like what mm -hmm. what do you think you put out there what do you think you put out into your friend groups and you know people who are outside of work right um so yeah i think that's a fun question i think yeah it's just really getting to know the person it's not a hard interview but it's an interview that a lot of people don't make it past because we we are very picky about who we work with right like this is someone who is going to be a long-term member of the team they need to be a big addition right and so it's a it's it's important for us to have that have that interview and we also like have a sense for that in the technical interviews early on but yeah it's important for us to understand if you would fit in with cross-functionally even people that you wouldn't necessarily work directly with here um so yeah hopefully that answers your question <laughs> okay yeah sure absolutely no i love it i think it's uh it's a great way to like definitely feel how a person is going to integrate into a bigger team yeah. well, you're, you're not that big yet but but still right yeah. it's it's even more important than because you yeah you you work together one way or another so yeah. i think that's great yeah and i think that the retreats are huge for that too is you know there's i mean remote work is great i love remote work after doing it for over six years 
but there's something about being face-to-face, right? And so we, that's why we have those two retreats a year is to be face-to-face and, you know, have lunch, have real lunch with, you know, the person, a person that you've worked with, right? And so we're continuing to invest in that because we feel like it's, it's so important and it, it really makes our product better at the end of the day for us to be able to work together better. Completely agree. Uh, I mean, we had our own retreat like a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Was, well, Amazing. around 200 people though, but <laughs> but yeah. it was still like <laughs> such a sense of unity. Yeah, right? And like yes. we're separate brands because like we're standalone companies, but still like we know each other. We see each other on Slack. Yeah. We know exactly. what people are working on and like to see them. Well, the, the person that's sitting behind the screen, like how many, oh my God, I didn't know how tall you were. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> stuff like that. It's just, yeah, I think it's super important. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm kind of remote native, but yeah. um, I love, love, love meeting people in person. Right. It just right. adds so much. Right. Right. And, yeah. and just hanging out Japan, like good after work, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do after work? Like, you know, um, when it, when it's a remote yeah. at the end of your workday, you're, you're gone. Um, but when it's a retreat yeah. and our retreats are like a week long, so it's a big opportunity to just hang out and get to know each other, which is, which is really cool to see. Like, it's cool to see like the yeah. people that we brought together interacting with each other. Like, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Well, just a couple more questions. And yeah. uh, first one, can you share a hack that helps you grow Kenny or grow your team or, you know, yeah. maybe just personally grow as a leader yeah. because the company grows yeah. and you're scaling, you know, you're, uh, you're probably not the same yeah. as yeah. you were at the beginning. So what has been your hack for sustainable scaling, sustainable growing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we are, we're always very slow and intentional. So that's kind of just oh, like it has a sustainability built in because we don't hire someone unless we need them. We don't have like because we don't have haven't raised money and stuff like that. It's like we don't have just like money just lying around just to throw at any problem. And so if we really need someone, we hire them. Right. And so it's it's sustainable in that way. I, I can't imagine ever having like when I joined Facebook Meta, um, there were and this was a long time ago, there were probably eight other people at the same time that I was, you know, joining as a, as a designer specifically. <laughs> I can't even imagine how many engineers were joining at the same time. Same day, same oh, day. Yeah. Like here, like I, I can't imagine even more than one person joining at one time just like and being able to dedicate, you know, this is your week. This is your first week. We are all here to help you. And so I think that's just being slow is more sustainable, I feel. <laughs> And they just, I feel like, I hope anyway, that they feel more secure and more able to ask questions and stuff like that. So hopefully their onboarding experience in terms of as an employee is good. When it comes to the interviewing process for me and, you know, interviewing is very time consuming, right? Like you talk to a lot of candidates, we're talking to hundreds of people for a specific, for one role. Um, and so for us, a big important piece for every interview is that kind of take home or like live skill assessment um and we do this for every skill even if it's not engineering is clear right like you have an engineering problem but when it comes to success or you know something that's more customer facing it's harder to do a take home or a live assessment but you can make it work right and i think that's really important it's an opportunity for you to see them you know in their environment and their actual skills and then it's also an opportunity for you to give them feedback right i think for us if you can't take feedback as a person it's like a dead end, right? Like I can't help you improve if you're not willing to to listen to feedback. So yes, we are a feedback company, but there's also feedback in terms of you as a person, you as um, a skilled person. Um, mm -hmm. So being able to give them feedback in that interview, I feel like is so is so crucial just to see like how they react to you giving them feedback. Um, and so I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, are you being it. ever intentionally harsh with people just like to see how they uh, crack or, or not? Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Like for the most part, people who at least make it to that stage are already like decent. Um, and no, like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to crack them um, like people who might have a reason for me to be harsh are people that we probably don't hire at the end of the day. Um, so it's. 
yeah, I think when it when it comes to it could be anything. It could be like communication. It could be, hey, I think you could be more concise in how you answer questions. I think that's like that's huge for me because if you are just like a, a verbose person when it comes to working together, that's too much for me. Like I need, let's go. You know, I need like short and snappy, and let's get to the point. Communication, and so sometimes I give that feedback in interviews. Is okay, you know. You could be more concise in your communication. Please, you know, keep that in mind for your next interview, and see if they do anything, okay. right? Like, see if they see if they take that feedback to heart. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely. About, I, I mean, think, like, like do it. Yeah, sure. Well, definitely works for you. I mean, you're you're, you're growing. Everyone seems happy, right? Uh, everyone speaks so. highly of Kenny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, the question that I already told you about is yeah. your biggest win and the biggest failure can be yeah. your personal again, as a leader, yeah. what you think you yeah. did good, or maybe not so good. Um, yeah. Or maybe for for Kenny. Yeah. I mean, okay, like, I have to say the team, right? Like, I have that, like, I, if you talk, if I talk to myself, you know, back when we were two people, and, and told myself that we would be where we are today, I don't know if I would believe it, right? Like, it's weird that we've brought together this, like, cool group of people, like, these really talented people, people that could work anywhere else, really. Like, they could work anywhere else, but they choose to work here. I think that's really, really cool. And I hope we're able to continue doing that. Um, and exci I'm excited to keep doing that. But at the same time, I feel like our failure is kind of related. Like, for me, I'm still technically a first-time manager. I was never a manager at Facebook. Um, so. I'm still learning as a manager every day. Uh, it's hard. I think for me, like I'm a designer. When it comes to design or product, stuff like that, it's easy, right? It's just like, there's, there's a clear solution. There's a, like, just maybe there are a couple, couple options. You just pick and you go with yeah. it. When it comes couple to people, it's such, a, it's such a, ooh, like anybody could be wanted to be managed in a different way uh, people have different communication styles people it's just so much more challenging <laughs> and i think not everyone is yeah, I, I, I like that people <laughs> yeah, that was just so it's so true like people oh yeah, i don't know it's yeah. like they it, can be them. i agree for sure okay Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. It's not like a, this is a math problem. Like I can, I can solve this. This is like, uh, you got to navigate. And like, I never want to get to a place where we have like this weird politics or anything like that. Like big companies kind of just have, like, I want people to be able to talk to me, right? Like I want people to feel like they can say anything. And I, yeah, I think not everyone is made to be a manager, which is interesting and understanding that and understanding as we grow, should there be people who are, are managers? Or should they be just, you know, ICs and we should keep them doing what they're great at? I, I asked that about myself. Like, am I a good manager? I'm not sure. And so that's why it's always like another feedback opportunity, right? It's like, okay, like give me feedback, like give me harsh feedback, right? Like I think people are like, okay, this is the boss. Like, I don't want to get, I don't want to, you know, be harsh or negative, but I'm like, yeah. like that's the only way that I'm going to be able to make your life better is if you tell me how to like, how to be better. Um, so yeah, we need that's, still, that's still like, yeah, it's still TBD for me. Like, am I a good manager? Am I suited to be a manager moving forward? Maybe, maybe not. Right. And I need to be realistic with myself for that too. And I think there's like that shows in some of the failures that we've had in the past where, you know, hiring hasn't worked out and it's, it's not always going to work out, right? Like stuff is going to happen, but we could always do better. Like, I don't, I don't want to feel like I failed people on the team, even if, you know, we like we split paths um i want to do what i can to to make sh to to see if we can make it work but at the same time like i need to do what's best for the company i need to do what's best for the rest of the team and so like i'm still learning about that and i feel like there are um situations in the past where we could have done better but these are always learning opportunities right and at the end of the day like you make mistakes and i think that's a nice thing about bootstrapping also is like I don't need to tell any investor that we failed. Like it's always just up to us and that's okay. Like I want to make it okay for anybody else on the team to make mistakes, like make the mistake once, don't make it again, you know? <laughs> and so like, we're trying to do that. We're trying to hold ourselves to that too. Yeah, no, it's not easy, but especially when it comes to hiring and other people are involved and feelings are involved and livelihoods are involved. It's really, really hard. Um, sure. But it's also really like, that's also why it's a big win is because it's so fulfilling at the same time. 
So yeah, it's it's hard, <laughs> people. <laughs> Right, you're right. There are two sides of that yeah. medal, so I completely yes. agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. uh, Sarah, if uh, yeah, if uh, anybody who's listening, uh, hopefully everybody yes. who's listening, needs Kenny, uh, or talk to you maybe about Kenny yeah. or about your experience, yeah. other podcasters, you know, how to find you, how to try Kenny. Yeah, so luckily we have a free plan now, which is awesome. Like you can really just sign up and just try it out, and you can demo the free plan, uh, the the paid plans if you want. Like that's cool. Uh, but yeah, the product is really easy to just try, and so I do that. I think for me, when it comes to reaching out to me, is like like I guess I'm on. I, I don't tweet very much. I'm very bad at tweeting. I'm very bad at tweeting and LinkedIn and stuff like that. But you can reach out to me there, and, and I can do my best to respond. Um, but I talk to our customers. Like I talk to people who use Candy all the time, um, which is great. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm around on the internet. <laughs> right. That that's how I got you. You know, I just reached Perfect. out you <laughs> on <me>. support, right? <laughs> yeah, you did. Hey, yeah, right here? which like <laughs> knock knock. Right. Yeah. No, it's knock, it, knock. It, yeah. You can. We're a small team. Like you can reach. The you can reach the person that you want to reach, which is also yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like when, like if you're hot, if you're looking to join a startup, like address your email to the people who work there. Like don't just like to whom it may concern. Like do a little bit of research. <laughs> Here's a tip: yes. if you're looking to be hired by a startup, like look up the people that are working there and address them. Right? Like people who say Sarah, Sarah, Andrew, and team. You know, can a team even is better? Right? Like don't <laughs> sir, ma'am me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think like yeah. that's that's a yeah. bit cool. It still happens, huh? <laughs> it it happens. It happens. Or okay. like you know, being a little bit more generic, right? Like you can do a little better than that. Do a little bit of research. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think yeah, that's that's a great advice. Um, yeah, be scrappy. I mean, you're joining a startup, so be um, be adventurous. Test test your channels. Yeah. Twitter yeah. didn't work for me, so you know. I went for support. Oh, well, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> I try. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> thank you, Sarah. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. I really hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, maybe after you do your another pricing change. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll stalk you on support again. Uh, or <laughs> Sounds good. Now I have your email, right? So there is no going back. But Perfect. yeah, thank you for the conversation. It's been great learning about you and Kenny. And yeah, um, excited to see what, what else you're going to work on. Thank you so much, Anna, for having me. I, I just love having these like, you know, like not scheduled or not, you know, there's no agenda quite like kind of interviews. No so script. thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It was fun to talk. Sure. Thank you. And take care. You too. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.